Let's pray together. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. For you, to you, I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With, with you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful, you, Lord, detest. But I, by your great love, can come into your house in reverence. I bow down towards your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Heavenly Father, we're here today knowing who we are. God, that we all fall short before your glory. God, we are here simply by your mercy, simply by your grace. Lord, we are so full of wickedness. And God, especially throughout the week, Lord, we are filled with many failures. But Lord God, we can stand before your presence with confidence, knowing that through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we have made a way for us to have access to the holy place. God, the torn, the veil has been torn. You have given us access to you, O oh God. God, how can we enter you with our sins? But through the blood that was shed for us, through the blood that have washed away my sins, God, I can come clean. I can come clean before you, O oh God. So God, here we are today to hear your word and to listen to your voice. Lord, teach us your ways that we may walk in your truth. Help us to walk with integrity in your name, O oh God. Lord, search our hearts today. Search us and look within us. And God, and test our hearts, O oh God. And now, God, as you transition to this message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. And God, that you'll be pleased with our worship to you. Father, watch over us, guide us, strengthen us. Speak to us, Lord, for your servants are listening. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And the title of today's message is called, Touch My Life, Lord. And I pray that that will be your prayer today. Now, there's a documentary called Dark Days, Dark Days documentary. It's about a filmmaker, a director named Singer, and who follows the lives of homeless people in underground tunnels in New York City. It's a story about people who live in darkness to avoid light. They live in fear that light will judge them, fear that light will not accept them. But the truth is that there is a God out there who loves you. That's the first truth. It's not by title, it's not by our looks or by our popularity, how many followers we have in social media. It's not by our fame. The world may judge our appearance, our name, and our past reputation, but there's a God out there who loves you. That's the first truth. The second truth is that as long as you repent 
and allow the blood of Christ to wash you and save you, that there is a mediator, that there is a way for us to be saved. Yes, God loves us, but he also abhors sin. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. So as long as we repent and allow the blood of Christ to wash us, we will be saved. Not saved for, by our accomplishments, but simply by his mercy, as long as we repent. There is a God out there who loves you so much that he came down to earth, took a form of a human being, came as an infant to be born, to, to live a sinless life, to be accused, to be tortured, to die on the cross for us. That is the ultimate truth. And the question is, why? Why? It's so that you and I can have life and have life to the full. Who is this God? The Bible tells us his name is Yahweh. His name is Elohim, which means God, reference to God's power and might. The Bible says he is Adonai, he is Lord, he is El Shaddai, he is Almighty, he is Avenger, our Avenger. He is Abba, meaning Daddy, he is our Father, he is our Advocate, he is our Fighter, he fights for us, Almighty. The Bible says he is the Alpha and Omega, meaning he was there from the beginning, he'll be there to the end. That he is our Shepherd who comforts us, our Comforter, Creator. Christ, King, Deliverer, Emmanuel, God with us, faithful and true, Holy One, our High Priest, the Great I Am. Why is he known as the High Priest? Because in the Old Testament, the only way to enter the tabernacle to the holy place, the Holy of Holies, once a year, only the High Priest can enter that place and make sacrifice for Israel, for all the people of Israel. But he is the Great High Priest, the greatest High Priest, because when he died, the veil was torn and made access for us. So today, as we read the scripture, as we read today's story, and the story that we're about to read today from today's scripture is one of the most amazing stories found in the scripture. And as we read this story, let us not forget who our God is. He is not just Jesus in the flesh, but he is fully man and he is fully God. He is God who walked in flesh, who dwelt among us. And this is one of the most amazing stories that you'll find in the scripture. Because this character, this man, he makes one appearance, and after receiving one touch from Jesus, his life was forever changed. And Jesus, he's moved with compassion to heal this man. Just as God is moved with compassion for you here today, to listen to us, to hear our cries and our prayers and our requests to God. Let's go ahead and read the scripture. Luke chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. The title says, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. In verse 12, it says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And underline that word touched. I am willing, meaning I do want to, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. 
Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Leprosy here, known, also known as Henson's disease, produced by bacteria, symptoms showing primarily on the exterior skin. If left untreated, it can cause permanent damage to the skin, nerves, limbs, and eyes. If left untreated, it can cause tissue loss, causing fingers and toes to turn numb, shorten, and deform. So in the New Testament, leprosy was the most dreaded, was a dreaded disease. Blotches of skin were discolored, damaged nerve endings, and fingers were rot. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, in reference to skin, having, having, having leprosy, having things on, in our skin, it says anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. So that why? People can know that you are a man with leprosy or woman with leprosy so that we can stay away from you, so that you can keep our distance. So it was a disease that would cast you out of society. And it was also a disease that killed you slowly. And nobody was allowed to touch a man with, or, or a woman with leprosy. You know, coronavirus right now, if you go to the World Health Organization, it gives you the definition. It says coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that cause illness ranging from the common cold to more severe disease such as Middle East Respiratory Syndrome and Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. A novel coronavirus is a new strain that has, been, that has not been previously identified in humans. Coronaviruses are zoonotic, meaning they are transmitted between animals and people. Especially right now with coronavirus, Leprosy back then stirred up similar, even greater actually, even greater emotional and, so and social terror during Jesus' day. So let's go ahead and talk about our points. Number one, isolated. Turn to your neighbor and say, isolated. isolated. This disease will banish you from society immediately. The priest would deem them as contagious would banish him or her from their home and community. I want you to imagine that for a second. You're not allowed to, you're, you're quarantined, you're away from your own family. You can't even come to church, your community, the people that you grew up in. You can't have meals with others. Just imagine that for a second. With coronavirus, parents having, having put in isolation, when you contract, when patients and, and parents, children, they're, they're put in isolation when you contract the virus. And by definition, isolation, according from an article from Vox, it says isolation is separating those with confirmed infections from other people so that they can get better without infecting anyone else. Quarantine is restricting the movement of or isolating people who might have been exposed to an infection but who aren't yet sick. Social distancing refers to a slew of tactics meant to keep people from congregating in large crowds to slow the, sp the spread of a virus. 
political response to the outbreak may be wide-ranging. Some may fear that acting will hurt their local economy, while others may overreact. In 2014, during the Ebola outbreak, a teacher in Maine was placed on leave because he had traveled to Dallas where an Ebola patient died in a hospital. The teacher had not visited the hospital. The same year, the New Jersey government, Chris Christie, forced a nurse who had treated Ebola patients in Africa into quarantine. She never exhibited symptoms of the disease, and experts concluded she, she posed no risk, but the governor held her in isolation anyway. The nurse ended up suing the state, arguing her rights had been infringed on. We live in a society when injustice happens to us. We can fight it by law. We could hire a lawyer. We could have people who will avenge and fight for us when we pay the right amount of money. Back then, that was not the case. You had leprosy. No one would fight for you. You had no one to back you up. You are left alone, and you are left alone to die. You are left alone in a community to die with people with leprosy. You had no one to help you in any way. So you'd be unfit from participating from any social gatherings or any religious gatherings. You'd be banned from having anyone touch you or being near you. Why? For if you touch them, then you would also be deemed as unclean. I mean, why would anyone even risk touching someone so that you can be part of that group of being unclean, of catching that disease? You know, there's amazing stories that you hear about coronavirus, you know, things that people do, taking risks. You know, there's a story about a guy who risked his life to feed animals in Wuhan. A 43-year-old native of Wuhan, a central Chinese city ravaged by a coronavirus outbreak, said he climbed up rusty pipes to the third floor, balcony of an apartment, to gain entry into a home of a middle-aged couple. La Ma was no ordinary housebreaker. His mission was to feed two starving cats trapped in the home for 10 days. He found the animals under a sofa, barely alive. La Ma rang up their owners who broke down and cried on the video call at the sight of their pets. We see people who are willing to go above and beyond for animals. What about people? What about people? Doctors and nurses who are working night and day to help victims. Doing everything that they can to help people who are in need. So when a leper will come, will come near during the time of Jesus, they would throw rocks to the leper to keep a far distance. You stay there, you belong over there. In the outcast society, you go there. And I stay where I am, where I am safe. You are frowned upon even from talking about the disease, even mentioning the name of a person who has that disease, even mentioning this terrible disease to other people at this time. The context was, it was a huge no. You cannot talk about it. So imagine never being able to see your kids again, your family again. And in a fictional story by the author Maxwell, he says this in his book. He says, several weeks ago, and this is a, it's, it's telling the story from the perspective of the leper. He says, several weeks ago, I dare walk the road to my village. I had no intent of entering. Heaven knows I only wanted to look again my fields, gaze again upon my home. 
and see perchance the face of my wife. I did not see her, but I saw some children playing in a pasture. I hid behind a tree and watched them scamper and run. Their faces were so joyful and their laughter so contagious that for a moment, just for a moment, I was no longer a leper. I was a farmer. I was a father. I was a man. Infused with their happiness, I stepped out from behind the tree, straightened my back, breathed deeply, and they saw me. Before I could retreat, they saw me, and they screamed, and they scattered. One lingered, though behind the other. One paused and looked in my direction. I don't know, and I can't say for sure, but I think, I really think she was my daughter. And I don't know, I really can't say for sure, but I think she was looking for her father. That look is what made me take the step I took today. Of course it was reckless. Of course it was risky. But what did I have to lose? He calls himself God's son. Either he will hear my complaint and kill me and accept my demands and heal me. Those were my thoughts. I came to him as a defiant man, moved not by faith, but by desperate anger. God had wrought this calamity on my body and he would either fix it or end it. But then I saw, I saw him. Before he, he spoke, I knew he cared. From behind the rock, I watched him descend the hill. Throngs of people followed him. I, wait, I wanted until he was only paces from me. Then I stepped out. Master, he stopped and looked in my direction as did dozens of others. A flood of fear swept across the crowd. Arms flew in front of faces. Children ducked behind parents. Unclean, someone shouted. Unclean, again, I don't blame them. I was huddled. Mass of death, but I scarcely heard them, I scarcely saw them. Their panic I've seen a thousand times. His compassion, however, I've never beheld. Everyone stepped back except him. He stepped toward me, toward me. Jesus' touch. He could have helped me, he could have healed me with a word, but he wanted to do more than heal me. He wanted to honor me, to validate me, to christen me. Imagine that. Unworthy of a touch of a man, yet worthy of the touch of God. Isolation. Isolated. Number two, incurable. This was an incurable disease at that time. Leprosy would have had the same sensitive fear as serious diseases like HIV and AIDS, final stage of infection with HIV. Oftentimes, Cohensen's disease, like I said earlier, will be seen and known as incurable. Once you get it, it meant that your life had changed forever. It had ended. Say goodbye to your dreams. Say goodbye to your family, to your desires, to your everything. Imagine that. Number three, restore. Restore. Can we turn to our neighbor and say restore? So for Jesus to reach out and touch this man with leprosy, I want you to understand how stunning and beautiful and powerful and magnificent this, this situation was, this act, this single act. The truth is the truth of a life is in the inside. It's not found on the outside. It's never on the outside. Even when we are sick, even when we are in sickness and in deformity from the eyes of people, from the physical eyes, in God's eyes, we are accepted and we are beautiful in his 
eyes because we have been created in his image. Who are we to put ourselves above anyone else? You're over there, you're unclean, and I'm clean here. When inside, we are all unclean. When we are all lost, when we are all lepers in the eyes of God. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things the people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The truth is that we are all lepers in the eyes of God. You and I, we're all lepers in the eyes of God. Lost. Pretending to be clean by our works and our accomplishments. The truth is that you are all lepers pretending that you're somehow a special leper, different than other lepers. The truth is that due to our sins, that we are deformed to the core of who we are on the inside. That we all need healing from something. And the question is, what is that something? Sometimes it's physical, tied with something emotional, but all relating to something spiritual. And the question is, what is your something? And here is the greatest truth, the greatest truth. That God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us so that our ugly sins can be washed and can be washed and when it's through his resurrection, through the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are found new again. And that's the story that we find here with the story of this man, this leper. Can we at this time turn our Bibles uh, to the book of John with me and can we just start from chapter 3 book of John chapter 3 we're going to go through we're going to progress to later chapters but let's just begin with chapter 3 real quick and if you could turn to me turn with me to verse 16 to 17 John chapter 3 verse 16 to 17 and if, so, if someone next to you doesn't have a Bible if you could share Now the context here, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. He is a Pharisee. And Jesus says this to Nicodemus and he says, verse 16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I pray that the word of God will truly bring light and strength to your soul and your spirit right now as you read. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in it shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through We are all condemned, but through Christ, we have eternal life with him. If you could go to verse 36, chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. 
Whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Let's go to chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 40. It says, for it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I'll raise Him up on that last day. Skip a few chapters, go to John 11. It's the last scripture I'll be mentioning in John. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life that he who believes in me will live even though he dies. We see a theme here over and over and over again. That if you believe in Jesus Christ, that you will have eternal life. If not, we are doomed for all of eternity. We're doomed. And we see this theme all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Bible, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story about redemption. It's a story about human failures. It's a story that we cannot save ourselves. It's a story that we are all lepers in the eyes of God. Pretending like we're special, special lepers. Oh, you only have eight fingers? I have nine. Somehow I'm better. Make these little excuses, these little titles, reasoning, to somehow put ourselves above the rest when we all fall short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 11, it says, You see, at just the right time, that when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall be saved through his life? Not only is it so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That while we're still powerless, that Christ died for the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? That's me. That's you. That's all of us. But if we choose to reject, the wrath of God will remain in us. How do we accept? We repent. We seek out like this leper. Lord, if you're willing. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm closing here. Just with our eyes closed. And I've been wanting in my heart to do this and to share this with you, this message of hope, this message of restoration, this message of bravery, courage. What this man had to lose? Nothing. He came with anger, frustration in life, having this disease that he didn't even ask for, injustice that happened to him that he did not choose. In the desperate of desperate situations, he went and he reached out to Jesus and asked, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Too many times we're consumed with guilt and shame, with doubt and hate for ourselves for what we've done feeling unworthy, worthless, not just how you feel about yourself, but the way others see you and view you. You must stop this now. Get past the thinking, what if? What if? Can God really save me? Can God really restore me? But just like this man, this leopard did, take a step of faith and go. Just reach out and cry out to him. Cry out to him. For he sees you from a distance. Everyone will run away. But he will pursue you. Because he is your father. When the prodigal son thought he would go back as a servant. The father did not just stand there waiting for the son to come to him. He ran after him. And reinstated him. For he loves them. For he loved them. He always loved them. And he loves us. He loves you. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged. He begged. said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. We need to humble ourselves and go on our knees and beg and ask Jesus to come and save us and wash us from our sins. For we are all lepers. We all fall short of the glory of God. And while we're still sinners, He came and He died for us. That's the truth. That's the journey that we're in in Lent. Understanding and reflecting upon the truth. That's why it has meaning. What Easter means. We cannot have Easter without Good Friday. Without the death and without the resurrection, there is no Easter. There is no such thing as being a Christian. While we were dead in our sins, He came and He reached out to us. And He came to us, He came and pursued us. Lord, if you're willing, you will, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. The story tells us that Jesus reached out reached out his hand and touched the man, a man who has not been touched for years, for he has been rejected in isolation. For no one had touched him. For Jesus could have healed him with his words, but he touched him with his hands. He touched him physically. 
unworthy of the touch of a man, but worthy of the touch of God. I am willing. I am willing. I do want to be clean. And immediately the leprosy had left them. Jesus can wash us from all sin, from all filth. And I pray that as a church and as an individual, that we seek after his face this afternoon. That we will not get lost, that there's no sin that's too far and beyond the reach of his grace, of his love, the depth of his love, his love, his love, his love. His love is beyond words, beyond describing, beyond understanding. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. of God allow his touch to heal you just one touch Lord just one touch touch me touch my life Lord and I'll never be the same heal me heal me from this disease heal me Lord speak to me speak to me Restore me. Allow His presence to hug you and consume you. Let the Spirit of God touch you to the core and transform you forever. atmosphere if you need to keep praying keep praying with your eyes closed but I'm gonna invite the praise team to sing the song arms of love and as we sing feel free in this place you need to pray pray you want to worship and stand and lift up your hands worship but know the death know how great and how wide how deep his love is for you. Even when everyone will reject you, he will never forsake you. He will never leave you hanging. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you. He knows everything that you're thinking, all the thoughts, everything that you're going through at this moment. He loves you. And he is here for you. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I am willing. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately, immediately, that leprosy left him. Father, we thank you that when we cry out to you, 
we repent to you. Right away, God, our sins are washed through the blood that was shed for us on the cross. God, how beautiful this season of Lent is as a reminder, God, of your sacrifice, of the life that you lived, and the journey that you had lived that's recorded in the Gospels. How powerful your words and your actions were. Life-changing, transforming. God, one word, one touch from you can do in our lives. We can come discouraged to church. We could be discouraged throughout the week. But one word from you, one touch from you, and our lives are forever changed. We're restored and renewed. For God, that is who you are. You are a life-giving God. You give us life and life to the full. So God, we just want to thank you for reminding us today that through the story here in Luke chapter 5, through the healing of this one man, God, we resonate with this man. For God, that is who I am. That is who we are. That we are all lepers, lost, outcasts in society. But Lord, thank you for loving me and knowing me from seeing me from afar. That God, you know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, even before a word is on my tongue. God, you know it completely, oh Lord. Thank you. Thank you for dying and giving me this life. So as you begin a new week, Lord, I pray, God, that we will not forget of why we do what we do and whose we are and who we are. That you are our Father, that we are your children. And God, we are here to do one thing, that's to love and to be loved and to know and to be known and to do the work that you have called us to do, to honor you and to please you, to please our Father, our Heavenly Father, who loves us and who died for us. So God, let this truth not just be in our heads, but Lord, let it take deep root and let it resonate from our hearts to our life, that we may be life-giving people, that will be an encouragement to our own family members, to our friends, to our coworkers, to strangers, to people who may not know us. They will know that we have been marked by your blood, that we have been washed by your blood, that we have the same nails in our hands and our feet, the nails that you took for us. For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. And I no longer live. And I no longer live. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Even in life, I live for you. Even in death, I am with you. I love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and I pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen.